pretty good stat. The old buzzer himself, um, wow. who actually technically didn't win his first four games at no, all. No, no, he but, didn't. But, but first proper season. Yeah, because he took over in 1945 with a kind of nod and a wink at the beginning of the season and then was officially the manager from October. But United were playing in the War League, which was still ongoing. But they won their first five games of the 1945-46-47 season, as we just looked up. Yeah, you don't remember it? Uh, no, I don't. I'm old enough to remember the 1986-87 season, but not quite the uh, 40. Yeah. So, uh, Ed, how the heck are you? I'm pretty good. I'm, I'm not as good as Ollie. Ollie's f***ing magic. <laughs> well, it's interesting that you mention that, because that is a chant which doesn't make any mention of Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer, unlike basically every other Man United chant. So I... I was talking to a friend of the show, Cal Gildart, uh, about this. And I think between us, um, we've worked out that Ali Gunnar Solskjaer has been mentioned in eight individual chants now, which I think is well, it's definitely more than anyone else I can think of. I, he deserves every single one of them as well. Yeah. <laughs> well, he, he really and, and of course, most of them about his playing career. He needs a managerial song, doesn't he? Mourinho well, had he, uh, that ridiculous one about... Uh, playing uh, football the United way, which which was well, not ironic, but really should have been. So um, the the complete list of Ole ones is the um, the Ole Ole chant. Um, you are my Solskjaer, obviously, who put the ball in the Germans' net. Oh, what a night! But he's got three managerial chants because the uh, Ole at the wheel. That's that's the big chant of the moment, isn't it? Uh, there was a little blast of Solskjaer's Red and White Army this evening. Right, um, I didn't catch that one. And and also, he has been, uh, according to Cal, he's also been inculcated into that terrible Jose Mourinho um, song. I think um, that, that Mourinho song should die, along well, with that previous manager. It, except it goes... Woke up this morning, feeling fine, got Man United on my mind. Ole's playing the way that United should. So now I actually, I have been waking up in the morning feeling great, thinking about Man United, and we are playing the way that United should. This so. is all true, although it is a tainted song. Anyway, uh, we're coming back to the pod, and there have been two victories. I should say, actually, before we get on, uh, apologies about the crappy audio last week. Uh, I am still on the road, um, and I am still using a laugh mic, but this time it is actually working. So hopefully it'll sound a little bit better than it did last week. Much but, like the United team, which has been working just fine this week uh, with two more victories. Um, Ed, you've tried to move me on to the chance before the, I got to, I got through seven of them. I'm gonna, I'm, I have to mention the eight all as right. well. No, no, that's fine. That's fine. We, I wasn't, we, we, I wasn't we, familiar we, with. We, we, let's talk about them all. So uh, what Cal, Cal said, this is, this is a Euro away days chant, apparently. Um, that goes, Ole Colin, your key. Ole Colin, your key. Ole Colin, your key. The best centre forwards in the Premier League. So that's nice. It's good. It's it's completes the set. The only other person I could think of who gets anywhere near eight individual chants with with five, and and I might have forgotten one is Ryan Giggs. So. Please contact us if you can think of players who've been involved in eight separate Manchester United chants. Very good. Uh, so, two games, two wins, uh, six goals scored, one goal conceded. Clean it's all cheat. going a clean sheet against Newcastle. <laughs> should we? 
we're recording on the night of the Newcastle game, and traditionally, what we do when we record just after a game is kind of squat the chronology and talk about that one first. But for some reason, this week I'm I'm feeling talking about Bournemouth first, um, and kind of going going in chronological order, just because, in a way, like the Newcastle game was like routine. <laughs> it's just you know, it, it was so, routine. Yeah. I mean, it was a tougher game, obviously, than some of the yeah. you know, Huddersfield, Bournemouth, or Cardiff. Uh, of the new era, uh, and we—I guess—we expected that, didn't we? Um, we did because of uh, the, the way Rafa sets his team up and the fact that they've conceded fewer goals than we have this year. So it, it was different. But Bournemouth was uh, Bournemouth was good fun once again. I mean, it started so well again. I was a bit worried when we didn't score within the first seven minutes of this game, but Paul Pogba scoring after five minutes in that game. Um, and, you know, another brace for Pogba, two braces in two games. And different goals um, as well, you know. This, the second one, rising to head it in, classic number eight fashion. Um, the first one, finishing off a move that had me jumping around and squealing like a child with delight because Marcus Rashford sent somebody to hospital. Someone tweeted... Uh, Marcus, don't you know these players have families? Yeah, Ian, Ian Wright was like, Marcus, they have families. <laughs> just, uh, just, it was an outrageous skill for Marcus Rashford. And I have to say, I mean, there, there are a good section um, of the United support. And I, I suspect without absolutely any evidence that the uh, R squared numbered between that section of the United support and the Mourinho truthers is fairly high. Um, who who wanted uh, Rashford to be sold or loaned or you know got rid of? Uh, <laughs> I mean, he just he's just an outrageous talent, and uh, he you know he's he's been playing up front under Oli uh, in these games and and doing a great job. And you know he played what I don't know sixty minutes, sixty odd minutes uh, today up front, and then moved wide when Lukaku came on uh, and immediately provided an assist. We're counting that as an assist, right? Um, but but very good against Bournemouth as well. And, um, you know, it's just a delight watching him and Pogba uh, and Mata and Martial and now Lukaku coming back into the team, scoring goals, creating chances, playing with freedom, uh, being able to express themselves in a way that uh, the Portuguese manager would never let them do. And, you know, I mean, nothing could really symbolise that more than... than the the first goal against Bournemouth really just just the sheer confidence and audacity for Rashford to the the first move in the move where he beats the first guy I feel like that's something we've seen from Rashford all the way through that's never really gone away it's almost like the turn of pace the little the little skill but the second one the second one where it's basically like I don't know like a high speed elastico or something just incredibly quick pulling the ball away from the defender and going past him. It, it was just like the first one was great. The second one was unreal. And the quality of chance he created was extremely high. I mean, United's XG against Bournemouth is brilliant. And that, that goal is a 0.8 XG goal. Like that's, that's massive. That's, that is very much putting on a plate, but also very symbolic of the uh, um, Solskjaer era. Pog was making third man runs, yeah, and which, which and, he wasn't allowed to do, and and was a big bone of contention under the previous regime. You know, he's just he was just not expected to do that, 
um, Mourinho wanted him to be there in the transition, uh, you know, in a defensive role. And here so he's breaking ahead of the ball. And sometimes, as, as we said last week, sometimes there are four or five players doing that. Including in the 95th minute at 2-0 up against Newcastle, which is like very pleasing. Um, but yeah, that, that goal was absolutely spectacular. Um, just just a kind of electric moment. And, and from then on, it, it was kind of processional, right, that game? I mean, it was it was it was big chance after big chance. Uh, the assist from Herrera for the Pogba header, and then uh, the absolutely stunning outside of the boot assist from Martial for Marcus Rashford's opening goal, well, his first goal. Yeah, just just before half time. Yeah, that's right. And then and then the, the game was dead. Um, although uh, you know, Nathan Aki scored. Uh, shortly afterwards, a, a goal that will frustrate a number of United defenders, although one that they uh, have conceded several times this season. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, good work from David Brooks uh, on the Bournemouth left, and and then, uh, but you know, the game was effectively dead by that time anyway. And and then United won the second half, which was you know, less eventful, I suppose. Uh, or apart, genuine... from, apart from Eric Bailly's, um, uh aberration, <laughs> shall we call it? The... The tweet that I saw about that that made me really laugh was somebody said, uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, play with freedom. <laughs> no, no, not like that. <laughs> like, that's, that's not the freedom to express yourself. I mean... No, I, I think that was what. the Mad Dogs of uh, a couple of weeks ago, wasn't it? What on earth is he thinking? Like, There's just no need whatsoever to do that. Um, but he's he's Eric Bailly, isn't he? He's, he's definitely got that in his locker. He was having a good game too, and I was... It was a shame to see it because also you kind of, I just want to see the Bailly and Lindelof partnership settle because Phil Jones is so upsetting, you know. <laughs> yeah, for everyone, <laughs> for his manager, for his colleagues, for the fans. Um, uh, he, he had a very difficult opening half against Newcastle. It settled down again, uh, again in the second half. But uh, yeah, Jones, not consistent. Smalling, not quite good enough. Bailly and... Um, uh, Lindelof, who's improved an awful lot, you'd think would be the partnership. Uh, Bailly needs to mature into his role. He needs to not do things like that. And he was, as you say, having a, a good game. Um, it's it's a problem for United. Now, the, the bigger problem, I think, is just in front of the back four. Uh, because, <laughs> I mean... Oh, wait a minute. Wait, hold on, hold on, Ed. Yeah. Wait, are you about to say that you don't think Nemanja Matic is a very good defensive screen? Because you don't need to say that. No, no, I was going to blame Manda Herrera. No, I wasn't. Because, <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, we just, I mean, another two games, further proof of this. It's its just, the, its we know it. We don't need to bang that drum anymore, surely. No, but, I mean, its its we just see it all the time. There's just too much pressure on the back four. Who, who have their faults? I mean, yeah, again, sure. again, against Bournemouth... Young played and he's a far better fullback than Antonio Valencia, for sure. But he has his challenges, and uh, and you know Lindelof has grown a lot this season, um, and it's it's good. You know, it's really good to see. And we just need another player to grow alongside him, or we need to purchase yeah. one. And it could be Eric Bailly. That's the thing. It really could be Eric Bailly. And it's worth saying that that was the own talking about defenders and the screen in front of them. That was the only chance of note that Bournemouth created. Nothing else above 0.1 xg. Um, so just very, very 
speculative efforts for the whole rest of the time from Bournemouth, and not many of those either. One, two, three, four, five, six, the total of seven attempts uh, from yeah. Bournemouth. And 3.4 XG for United, and, and there can't have been too many games in which we got that under the previous manager. You know. uh, Romelu Lukaku, talking of players that have their faults, uh, came off the bench and scored almost immediately, as he did again against Newcastle. So, interesting. Um, it was. I mean, I thought the, the selection against Bournemouth was not at all surprising. Um, because you know Lukaku had just come back into the setup, and Rashford's obviously playing playing brilliantly. But I was really heartened to see Rashford keep the starting spot up front um, against Newcastle. I guess it's going to be more difficult. I mean, it's interesting because the fixtures now. We'll talk about this in the previews, but the fixtures next two fixtures: Reading at home, which is a you know we might even see Mason Greenwood up front um, in that one, um, mm-hmm. and then Lukaku, and then Spurs. Uh, which is which is obviously the, the the first really big test. So, but Lukaku having scored twice off the bench, it's going to be interesting whether Solskjaer kind of almost rewards him with a starting place. But I think it would be it would be a kind of pretty bold decision to uh, to switch up what's happening at the moment. It would be, and it would change the dynamic up front. Uh, I mean, look, they in this this uh, freer front three. It's hard to say. Um, it, I, I do wonder whether it will actually help Lukaku a little bit. I mean, I think the problem we see with Lukaku is he's not quite as dynamic uh, as some of the other players we've got there. And and uh, it would be an awful shame to lose Rashford or Martial for, from the team in order to get him in there. Um, uh, but also, you know, he's, he's a very different kind of player. His first touch isn't always perfect. Uh, and uh, he's definitely better... Um, uh, with the ball in front of him, than when you know the ball into his feet and he's back to goal. Although that's probably true of our other forwards too. Uh, so he'd just bring a different dynamic to the team. Although there were times uh, in the what did he have against Newcastle? Twenty thirty minutes um, where he was pulling out wide. Uh, United played a lot on the break in those last uh, twenty minutes or so, um, and he was pretty effective doing that. Swapping uh, positions with Sanchez and Pogba and Rashford, uh, and so you know maybe maybe we've now got the freedom in the team to allow him to do that. And I think he, you know, they, that could be a very effective front three. Although obviously it's a front three that that Mourinho was um, sort of loath to play too often because they're not likely necessarily to be covering their fullbacks in I the mean, transition. Having said we weren't going to talk about Mourinho that much uh, in the rest of the season, that felt like a particularly egregious and unnecessary one. Ed, <laughs> I'm trying. I'm really trying not to, but it's it's the you know the comparison is going to be made for a while, isn't it? You know? Yeah. Uh, so, but, and- but I, f- I feel like we should we should probably stick the comparison because the general tone of the comparison we probably don't. You know, it's like. We, everyone, we all get it. Like, Mourinho was a complete shambles and miserable and pathetic, and now everything is joyous and glorious. It's amazing. <laughs> it is joyous and glorious. Uh, and and the, the, the question and the reason why this is coming up is that um, we've got a £75 million forward who's perfectly capable of scoring 30, 35 goals a season uh, in, in the right system with the right kind of support. He's not perfect. Lukaku far from perfect and how do we get him in the team and also well, make sure that we've got all our other attacking talents in the team because if he's in there 
and and so is Martial and so is Rashford, then there's no Sanchez and there's no Mata and there's no Lingard and and their their choices to be made. But you know, it doesn't half feel like we've got an awful lot of very good attacking players that would fit into Oli's system, and that's a good that's a good problem, isn't it? And actually, talking of Oli, he said about Lukaku the thing that's music to all of our ears, which is you ask him to play as a target man, and then his back's to goal the whole time, and that's not his strength. So, right. and he was saying he's, of course, he's Solskjaer. So he said he's a good target man, but dot dot dot. You know, so he, he wasn't saying that he wasn't his strength. That was that was a paraphrase, but he very much said Do you want him facing the goal, which is which is of course what you do. The other thing that um, Solskjaer has talked about, and uh, Rashford put a little picture on Facebook of him with a with like a, a school teacher emoji or something I think it was um of him talking to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and listening and then uh, against Newcastle uh after Lukaku had opened the scoring with that scrappy one Rashford scored an extraordinarily Solskjaer-esque goal uh, an Anthony Martial-esque cool finish from Rashford which we don't necessarily associate with him oh and there's certainly been times this season when Rashford's been rather rash in in uh, in the attacking third and and giving up chances that we we know he's talented enough to take, and uh, it was great to see them you know go in this time or this one going. He's definitely got so, it. He's got it all. I mean, there's nothing he lacks. Um, uh, in in the way that Lukaku has bits of his game that are definitely lacking, and Sanchez seems to be just lacking everywhere at the moment. We'll see whether the nice nice assist today. Nice assist today, and that was it. You know, nice role in that goal. He had the, I'd say, a tough, you know, sort of. Well, I can't remember how many minutes he played against Newcastle, but you know, it, it, it was not much was coming off for him except for that move. Um, but yeah, you know, so Sanchez has a, a a weakness in that he's he's barely performed for United. Lukaku's got his problems. Uh, Rashford and Martial, they definitely have the tools to be really complete forwards. Uh, for United and France and England, uh, and and it feels like we now have this sort of construct in place where that can all come out and be liberated and be successful. Touch so, wood. Um, I've kind of segued by accident onto the Newcastle game. I mean, it's just worth talking about Paul Pogba some more. Two goals and an assist, an absolutely stunning all-round performance. You know, hardly gave the ball away ever. Won the ball back plenty. It just balled out beyond belief, completely controlled that game, was by far and away man of the match. And and I don't know, I just want to, you know, pour like accolades onto him. Um, he, he wasn't as good against Newcastle, but he was absolutely magnificent against Bournemouth in a really like telling way. He was, yes. Uh, and... Um... I mean, goals and assists and uh, running ahead of the ball, uh, 115 passes, something like that. Um, just complete all-round midfield performance. Newcastle, tougher game in midfield, certainly. It was, uh, there's, you know, he had to scrap a bit more, didn't he, uh, in order to get the ball. Not, not all of his passes and touches were uh, successful. United played in a slightly different way, uh, certainly in the second half, playing on the break. A fair bit, um, so you know, he didn't get nearly as much of the ball, uh, but just absolutely magnificent. Mag, let's try that again. But just absolutely magnificent against Bournemouth. Complete, complete midfielder's performance. Yeah, 
Um, and he is definitely, definitely playing in a more advanced role, isn't he? Like, there's no, there's no doubt that a load of this is tactical. And once again against Bournemouth, we saw the the fullbacks both press really high up, and that does bring us to the Newcastle game, the first 45 minutes of the Ole Gunnar Solskjaer era that didn't see a goal. First time we haven't scored in a half of football since he took over, which is mad given what everything that's been happening, not just with the previous manager, but the one before that too. Um, but there was there was a half of football where we didn't score. Now, actually, I thought for the most part, we looked bright, we looked lively, we didn't give up too many big chances. The commentators were making a very big deal of Newcastle's kind of uh, breaks and half chances, but there was nothing that I thought was particularly worrying. And actually, a lot of their um, a lot of their breaks came from them, you know, counterattacking into the space that you'd want us to be leaving if we're playing in the least bit kind of attacking football. But the one thing that was really noticeable from a negative perspective, from a United perspective, is that Antonio Valencia. Someone needs to sort out Manchester United's admin because Antonio Valencia did not get the memo. <laughs> no, what? That he was now shipped out of the club. Yeah, no, that 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 you are now as a fullback allowed to go past the halfway line. <laughs> you're allowed to overlap. You're allowed to support attacks. In fact, not only are you allowed, but it is encouraged because otherwise you're leaving little Juan Mao all on his own. I mean, yeah, well, it's look, really annoying. Matt, uh, not matter. Valencia um, had the uh, the the accolade of being useless in attack and useless in defence. So he he you're right he didn't get close enough to matter when he got the ball he does what Valencia does now which is uh, first touch is to cut back second touch is to pass it inside um, and he he never goes on the overlap anymore uh, he often wanders into the centre of the pitch leaving huge gaps at the back uh, which could be exploited and Newcastle did that pretty well and and uh, Christian Atsu had a few chances and and got a lot of space in the first half. Um, and it's a problem. Young, Young's, uh, we were speculating during the game on the, the Rankcast WhatsApp group um, what Young's average starting position might be in comparison to Valencia's. And I'd, I'd imagine it's quite a lot higher up the pitch. I, I don't have the data exactly. I mean, you can see his sort of the heat map of touches um, on who scored and, and some of the other services. Um, but but Young is definitely more effective there, better defensively and better in an attacking position. It's it's kind of it's slightly sad to see uh, Valencia's decline, but it really shouldn't be anywhere near the team right now. And it was just it the thing that was just noticeable was just how much it affected the the good things that have been happening in in the new era and kind of fully backing up this idea that this as much as this is about the players playing with freedom and the shackles coming off and the feel good factor and the confidence. You can't take away from the fact that one of the things that's happening is that there are four players in front of the ball. There's support from both fullbacks for our attacking play. Like this is structural and tactical, at least as much as it is uh, just um, as Andy Thomas said on SB Nation, weaponizing the feel good factor. You know, it's it's um, and and Valencia was causing a problem by not joining in the party, basically. Because because there were there were fewer options, and actually that's even more damning against Newcastle, um, where they are well drilled and well organised and and fill up the space really effectively. So in order to pull them out of position, you have to work harder to do that. Now maybe maybe Valencia was given some instruction along this line, and there was some concern about counter attack, but that wouldn't really tally up because you know when you uh, I don't know if you've ever had a tennis lesson, somebody. A friend of the family once gave me a tennis lesson as a child. I'd won 
And he said, you've either got to stand in the two little boxes at the front or you've got to stand behind the baseline. You can't stand in the halfway bit between the two little boxes and behind the baseline. And that's kind of what Valencia did the whole time. Neither one nor the other. True, yeah. Well, you have to anticipate where the ball is going to go and move. Um, uh, anyway, I've had lots of tennis lessons. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I and I completely get what you're saying. Uh, he jogged forward, got to the halfway line, got the ball. I mean, ha- half-time, I think I sent uh, the his uh, pass map around. And yeah. there were five, there were 27 passes. Uh, 22 of them went inside and sidewards. And uh, they were all completed. Five went forward and none of them were completed. It was a hilarious pass map, uh, but very symptomatic of Antonio Valencia. He's been a good servant for the club, but uh, he just shouldn't be anywhere near the team. Um, There are better options. Dello is obviously raw, uh, but I'm sure if he was playing, um, he'd have been much closer to the matter. And and United would have been causing problems there. Uh, And Young is actually a very effective choice right now. Yeah, he is, which is funny to say. But then, but then, um, in spite of all that, we hardly gave up a big chance, and we created a ton, and um, we absolutely battered Newcastle off the park, particularly in that second half. So the the, the Lukaku goal, um, of course, comes from a Rashford knuckleball free kick. Rashford, the absolute king of the knuckleball free kick at the moment, um, and and the keeper understandably spills it. Um, and Lukaku, very quick and very effective. That was his first touch. He scored lovely scenes. Um, and the second goal, of course, coming from Pogba harrying in midfield, knocking it forward to Lukaku, who did very well wide right. Um, found Sanchez in the middle, and Sanchez took his time. Uh, I don't know what the Newcastle defenders were doing, but they all got sucked into the ball, and Rashford had a ton of space. Sanchez did really well to find him, and then Rashford took that kind of sniper's deep breath and then uh, slotted it home. Beautiful. And, and you know, 2-0 in a game that, that was looking a little bit sticky, like a little bit trickier. It didn't feel... It felt like the kind of game that we very, very, very often have not won 2-0 in the last four years. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, 2.55 on the XG there. Only Spurs and um and Watford have matched or better that Spurs 2.58 and Watford 2.55 this is away teams at oh, Newcastle oh. creating chances ah, so. right, right yeah um like the point being that the Newcastle are actually a pretty well drilled team at home they're very effective at not conceding goals and and United created lots of chances yeah. a very good attacking performance and we're now up to 38 points, um, which puts us uh, three points behind Arsenal and six points behind Chelsea. And again, um, I was talking to Cal and he pointed out that because Chelsea drew, that mean, means we, we've gone from 11 po- points behind them and Arsenal to six points behind Chelsea and three points behind Arsenal in four games of the Solskjaer era. And now a plus 11 goal difference. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> a plus 11 goal difference. Like 
that's not a great goal difference for 21 games into the season, but it's not one that makes you want to hide and not watch football anymore. You know, today, all day, game was at 8 o'clock UK time. Unfortunately, I'm still off work. You're in the States. Um, All season long, if we've been having an evening game and planning to record a podcast afterwards, I've been dreading the game and podcasting afterwards. All day, I've been buzzing about both. I can't wait to watch the Reds. Can't wait to talk about them afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. And look, there will be, there will certainly be days when uh, this is not all sunshine and roses and positivity uh, in the weeks to come, I'm sure. But right now, it's awesome. Volleyball yeah. is sexy. We love it. I mean, it really is. And, and, it is volleyball too. This is the thing. Like it's, you know, this is a completely different United in the space of four games mm-hmm. because it's amazing. But it turns out that the squad aren't a bunch of useless clodhoppers. Paul Pogba's worth every penny we paid for him. Martial and Rashford really are the future. You know, it's. There were, like you said, there's flaws in those in that back four. There really are, and we need a new defensive midfielder. But almost everywhere else, we don't need to buy another attacker for five years, you know, in any position. And and he's playing to the team's strengths. It's so basic. He's talking them up and allowing them to do their thing. Yeah, um, I don't know whether there'll be any uh, business in January or not. Uh, you know the one story that went round that was basically said that United would only do loans, uh, but if there is any business, it should all be on the defensive side of things. Uh, right now, yeah, you're right. Definitely don't need any other attackers. There'll be a decision to be made about uh, Sanchez and his role, and yeah, I don't know whether anyone would take him off the payroll with the amount he earns. Uh, but bringing in uh, another forward there may be a good option, and and of course, you know, but talking a few years down the line. There may be a time that United will want to go to the really, really elite level because we'll be back at the top, winning leagues and going off the Champions League. But you know, it's, it's getting a bit ambitious, isn't it? Right now, it's good to win against Newcastle uh, because we weren't doing that for the last few years. Um, you know, Newcastle is a metaphor for crappy teams we should smash and don't. Well, I mean, you know, and and the it's only chat is getting a bit silly now, isn't it? You know, because because the, the it's only chat's been silly all along, because United's biggest problem by miles under both Van Hal and Mourinho was their inability to get results against teams they're supposed to get results against. Um, and also, who cares anyway? It's you, it, it just we just weren't winning those games, and and now we are. We've well now we have won four of them, and we've deserved to win every single one of them. We, I think we've, um, obviously we won that first one five one. But if you if you look at the underlying numbers, we're on a pretty good trajectory of you know um, things kind of was definitely tightening up at the back, and you know we're still creating bags and bags of chances. But it's all going to get a bit more real um, in a week and a half's time when we play Spurs, who are currently second in the Premier League. Although mm-hmm. City City are playing Liverpool tomorrow. At the time of recording, mm-hmm. and and Spurs are flying. I mean, they very good set of results. 
Uh, apart from when they lost to Wolves. Apart, apart from when they terrible. lost to Wolves, which was, yeah, an aberration. And uh, awful lot of criticism of Pochettino after that game, which I thought was a bit odd. I mean, they, uh, they, they clearly, this is not in the pattern of results and performances that Tottenham are, are putting in at the moment. Anyway, so it'll be a super tough challenge. It'll be interesting to see whether Oli has anything special up his sleeve for that one or, or it's going to continue the same pattern and just focusing on United and certainly Spurs you'd imagine would take advantage of some of the defensive mistakes that were made against Newcastle especially in that first half um, yeah it's kind of scary isn't it uh, mm-hmm. but but also mindful that United can cause some trouble yeah you say defensive mistake. I mean there was a bit of sloppiness well, there were big holes, great, great big giant Valencia-sized hole yeah, down our yeah, yeah, yeah. left-hand side, which allowed Atsu in twice. Better finisher might put those away. I mean, a better finisher might have put those away, but they're both not to just continually harp on about it. But they are both like low XG, sub, sub point one, yeah. basically. Yeah, sure. So um, you'd have had to do real well to put them away. Um, so uh, before we get to previewing the Reading game, uh, you know, our in-depth analysis of Reading. Oh, it's, it's all right now. We don't have to feel bad about this because we don't have to focus on the opposition. We have to focus on ourselves. So that's fine. Um, Ole taking the rank cast approach to opposition prep. Um, it's nice to see. Uh, but before we get to that, we didn't do any Twitter questions last time, Ed. Have we, have we got some this time? We certainly do. Jason Freeman, friend of the show, says, Phil Jones, that is all. Yeah, I mean, we've kind of talked about it, haven't we? The, the one thing that I would say is for the wrestling fans out there, um, his haircut is really reminding me of contemporary John Cena, which that is not a compliment. <laughs> uh, he'll be doing bad uh, comedy movies with uh, someone. Chris Smalling. <sighs> Chris Smalling. I mean, he, he's been doing a bad comedy movie with Chris Smalling for a really long time. Best, best part of a decade, yeah. Uh, Mike Keeney says, would you be happy with a Lindelof Bailey first choice centre back pairing? Um, sure. For now, and I think it's probably the best choice. Yeah. Uh, John Blaze says, how would you feel about a relatively unknown manager being appointed? There was uh, some chat that Michael Rose, who's at uh, Red Bull Salzburg, uh, was on a short list, um, mm. along with Pochettino, Ollie, Lauren Blanc, and someone else whose name I've forgotten now. Uh, Zidane. Zidane. There's only there's only two people on that list who I find to be acceptable, and one of them is the current manager. <laughs> I, I I think the relatively unknown thing, I, as I said uh, so many times, like I, I'd be kind of interested if United went in a direction like that to build something really kind of progressive. But I mean, who knows what's going to happen in the rest of the season? But so far. I'm not seeing any reason why you would plump for anything other than like proven Premier League success, which I definitely include Pochettino in mm-hmm. over over Solskjaer at this point. Yeah, uh, time time in the season to go before we make a judgment about uh, Oli uh, yeah. and his ability to manage this club. But uh, I'm sure Pochettino is their first choice and. And uh, Pochettino will have many choices, so he's going to uh, not play his cards too early, I'd say. So it'll be an interesting summer. Uh, will you guys be able to buy or sell anyone with an intermediate manager uh, in January and without a director of football, says uh, friend of the show, Chris Etchingham. 
Um, uh, who cares though? Like, like, why are football fans so obsessed with buying and selling players? Yeah, well, true. I mean, because there are limitations about what a coach can do, and and often it's seen as a shortcut to to solving the problems. I, I think I do think that some of the problems. Uh, within the squad at United are unsolvable through coaching and, and greater quality will need to be brought in. It doesn't have to be this January. Uh, momentum is there to get United into a decent position by the end of this season. Uh, but of course, if there were options at centre-back or in defensive midfield in particular and, and United could do something about them, that would be you know very sensible to do it and give a boost to everyone at the club. Will they be able to do it? Seems not. You know. And anyway, like the, I mean, they, they definitely could though, it, it, because Woodward's been acting as a de facto director of football for five years. Mm. So how's that working out? Well, I mean, in terms of signings, definitely could near... happen. Yeah, definitely could happen. I mean, I mean, imagine they'd want the sign off of the new manager. Yeah, potentially, depending on what structure they're moving into. If they are going to bring in a director of football before they bring in the new manager, then you almost need the director of football sign off on the transfers more than the managers, right? Right. Uh, Fergie, Moyes, Van Hal, Jose, now Ollie Jones has managed to play under all of them. How? Asked Robert Smart. Uh, going back oh. to Jones again. I mean, it's, it is pretty amazing. I mean, Smalling's the same, right? So played under and and gigs. I missed out of that. Well, did he? Who played? There was only four games. Who played in those four games? Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm guessing right. they might play. Might not have done. They were certainly at the club. Um, uh, I mean, they they both of them, Jones and Smalling, uh, have been very long servants of this club. But they both joined as teenagers, didn't they? Or roundabout? Maybe Smalling was in his early twenties. Um, so yeah, a lot of games for United. Uh, I guess. Um, the judgment was out for some time. I think the judgment is pretty much in on these two now, isn't it? Um, yeah, good, 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 solid prose. Uh, nice and honest, but um, not good enough. Yeah, uh, Jones. I think Jones was injured at the back end of uh, the season, and in the first game, in the Norwich game, uh, Ferdinand and Vidic started in the centre half. Quite good, isn't it? Um, they, they were decent, those two. Yeah, they were on their way out by then. Although, you, if you'd believe the Scouse Mafia, they, you know, they're not fit to lace Van Dyke's shoes, boots. Can we have? Can we have a question that is not about Phil Jones, please? Because we've had two already, and I don't know why we're still answering questions. About what is there new to be said about Phil Jones? Paul Chesterton says, "What do you think Mourinho is doing right now? Enjoying his money and his family and having a break." I imagine. Yeah, I hope so. Anyway, I, I really do. I really hope he's he's having a break and and just you know living his life, crying. I'm very. I imagine he's not watching United. I imagine he is not. No. Uh, if we're as determined to break down a rigid Newcastle team as tonight, how many will we smash past an open Tottenham? Asked the Social Appreciation Society. <laughs> um, that's a great question. Let's come on to that a bit later in the show. Uh, yeah, um, uh, good good point actually here made by um, Ollie in the uh, post match uh, interviews and uh, uh, press and stuff. He said fourth clean clean sheet from open open play on the spin. It's uh, it's it's, <laughs> it's very true. Although that may also serve to highlight one of United's challenges. 
Um, <laughs> which one out of Moyes, Van Gaal and Jose should be referred to as he who shall not be named going forward? I know Moyes <laughs> had the look, but if you're looking for arrogant self-promotion and snake-like characteristics, there can only be one. That's uh, yeah. Mark Inox asked that. Yeah, I like that one. I mean, Van Gaal's all right. Although, listen, Van Gaal could be just as bad as Mourinho when it came to man management. There's no question about that. Um, but yeah, for sure. Mourinho is truly he who shall not be named. We know the answer for attacking, but what changes have you seen under Oli versus Mourinho in United's defensive performances? More pressing up front, our Sonia Verma. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's that, yeah. Um, it's not quite, uh, you know, Holland 1974 or uh, peak Barcelona um, uh, for pressing from the front, but definitely, definitely more pressure. Not intense. It's not, you know, it's not the full pack going after the man. Well, it kind of was in those opening couple of games when the energy was super high. I mean, I think like four games, four days apart on the bounce in kind of cold weather and all that stuff, you're going to, you're going to lose a lot of energy. And I did think there was, there was a kind of an almost noticeable slight drop off in energy against Newcastle and a bit less of that Tigerish pressing. But I would say that's definitely been the the key change. Um, There's just been, there's the, the structure on the pitch has looked better as well. I mean, in fact, of course, one of the big defensive changes is is less reliance on defending. So we've invited way less pressure on ourselves by our, our kind of positions as well as the pressing. Um, the kind of positions of the players when they when we've lost the ball has meant that they can press. Um and, and we've just had massive possession and not sunk into a low block because it's it's you know a lot of our most ineffective defending or our least effective defending under the previous regime came about as a result of um, incompetent attempts at a low block. Yeah. Um, and, and look, they definitely defended in a different way against Newcastle and they were happy to sit back, especially that second half when they were um, happy to play on the break. 65% possession. Yeah, overall, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think there's much to be gained from a team that is willing to uh, try to win back the ball in the in the opening third or you know the attacking third of the pitch. Awful lot, and we'll we'll see. I mean, if Poch comes in, it, it, United will definitely play like that. Uh, they yeah. will, they will be hunting down the opposition impacts. Um, Still had fifty seven percent possession in the second half as well. So yeah, it's not. Not too shabby, is it? All right. Uh, are we going to win the Champions League? Asks Lee. That's Moo underscore CW. Ah, I don't know, but we can certainly go into that uh, PSG game feeling a bit more confident now. There, there was an interesting uh, story saying that uh, one of the things that the uh, PSG hierarchy feared most was Mourinho getting the boot because they were... <laughs> Yeah, they were confident uh, in how United would play with Mourinho in charge, and and now now not so much. Yeah, I mean, I I think the answer to the question is probably not, but I definitely am looking forward to these. I mean, listen, it's not unlikely that we're going to lose over two legs to Paris Saint Germain. That is perfectly likely, but I'm now excited about these games instead of just kind of quietly resigned and slightly dreading them, but in a very passive way. Yeah. 
Jack Johnson says, what was Jose's biggest career achievement, finishing second with us last season or taking credit for the first half of this season when we inevitably win the league? <laughs> what a great question. It's absolutely superb. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, there's no answer to that question, but it was very enjoyable. Uh, Mika Latonen says, to keep the Ole good feels train, good feels, good feels train rolling, what was your favourite United goal of 2018? Mine was either Herrera against Spurs in the FA Cup or Rashford against Liverpool. Favourite goal of 2018? Um, I don't Pogba know. Pogba was... against City. Pogba against City was pretty special. Yeah. Pretty special. Um, pretty special comeback. That was my favourite. And, and all the ones since Mourinho's gone, every one of them has been just great. There's <laughs> such... It's such a kind of, you know, when you're not sure if you're right about something and then you see, and you're like, oh, turns out I was definitely right about this. <laughs> um, it's, it's nice. And, and, and you know, I, I kind of half-jokingly put on Instagram, falling in love all over again. But it kind of does feel like that. It does. It really does feel like just being excited to watch football is such a nice feeling. Victor Lindelof asked Alexander Wallow, what's up with him? Calm, collected, good on the ball, had Rondon in his pocket, bossed him in the air. What's up with him? He's a good player. He's a good player. And I think when he first came to the club, uh, we could see straight away he was very good in possession of the ball. He's not likely to lose that and, and look very nervous without it. And there's still been times when I think, especially at set pieces, uh, as Ole may have been backhandedly pointing out there, uh, where he gets himself out of position, but he's he's a good defender and he's now showing it. And I think he was showing it under Mourinho as well. It's not just all Oli's doing. No, not at all. Uh, you know, he I, you talked about flaws, and he's definitely still, I think, got got a getting flustered in him. Um, but yeah, he's just. I, I think we we have seen him grow over the course of this season to the point at which like he's. He's the, the first centre-back that gets picked, isn't he, now? So, that's big. I don't think it's particularly surprising. I think people were very quick to write Lindelof off. And actually, to be fair to the one who shall not be named, I think he was perfectly reasonable to suggest that it would take Lindelof a little while to settle into the Premier League. Yeah. Given Herrera's performances as a defensive screen in Jose's first season, should he and Pogba be first choice? With the rest fighting it out for the third spot, surely a better choice for that role than Matic. Yeah, I was I was thinking that. I was thinking if I was in charge, I think I would try I would try and play Herrera Pogba Fred a lot more. But I do think it's been nice to see Herrera play more box to box because it's definitely what he's best at. Yeah. Um Simon Zambelli, I'm not going to answer your question, but uh it's an interesting one. Uh, friend of the show, Sam Sam Pelly, uh, always ends his questions with uh, something, something, something. A bell end question mark. All right, very nice. Uh, all right, uh, here's here is a question for you, Paul. Yes, bifurcated underscore MBM. <laughs> friend of the show, for the 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 greatest friends a boy can have. Do you brush your teeth with hot or cold water? Cold. Ah, no, not necessarily. Actually, so, some people have sensitive teeth. My cold tap doesn't work very well in my bathroom sink, so sometimes I think I run a hot tap, but I don't like run it till it gets hot. That's fine. I was given this tooth serum by the dentist, um, 
and uh, while I was getting a load of work done. And uh, that says, add to toothbrush without water. I was like, that's weird. Because it means you can't like rinse off the toothbrush head before you add the toothpaste to it. I'm not, I'm not okay with that. Hmm. Well, what kind of serum is it? It's like a micro repair serum. I don't know. Some, some thing that claims to be science and is probably just a lie. I mean, it was given to me by an actual dentist. So, you know, maybe there's some science involved. Uh, and uh, final question from Felwar Kamiz. Again, this one's for you, I think. Is Pogba just a goal celebration away from being indicted for crimes against football by your dad? Honestly, these people and their bad, bad problems in their head. And, the, you know, I can't even... Honestly, um, friend of the show, Carl Anker, messaged me to say they've moved from Pogba's not good enough to um, Pogba should be more humble about how good he is in the, in the space of two weeks. Two, I know, I know. I mean, he got jeered by Newcastle fans now. It's just I couldn't help but wonder what that was all about. Why? Yeah. Because he's a great player. Um, I mean, two weeks ago, they'd been going, oh, he's rubbish. So is he being jeered because he dances uh, and posts videos on social media? I mean, be- because he's confident uh, in himself. When, when Zlatan does that, it's hilarious. You know, when Pogba does it, he should be more humble. And I can't help, and- I cannot help but thinking some of this is both the, the narrative that was instigated by Mourinho and his acolytes in the media, of which there are many, um, against Pogba. But also this thing about, you know, young, successful, wealthy, flamboyant black men should not behave like this. They should be something else, you know? Um, and it really it drives me nuts uh, because I think Pogba is doing nothing wrong and performing excellently. And if he wants to dance on social media, so what? And, like, if they're jeering him because he's... United's biggest signing ever and you know he's the kind of focal point and target of the team that's fine but I think you're right it forms it, it sits in the the general I mean listen you know I don't even know I can't even I genuinely can't remember whether we talked about the Raheem Sterling stuff and what Raheem Sterling had said but what Raheem Sterling said is exactly what we've been saying on this show for years and years and years and we've, we've known it was happening it's clearly happening Listen, Gary Neville is such a good example of your dad. And um, somebody quote tweeted the Ian Wright, Marcus Rashford uh, tweet saying, can we swap him for Gary Neville? I sort of feel a bit like that about Neville's genuinely one of my sporting heroes um, because I've always so, so admired the fact that it wasn't natural talent that got him where, where he got to, but but diligence and discipline and application and sacrifice and all these things which I I hold in great regard but it's so awful to see his like utter yadanus when it comes to United's uh young exciting players and basically also like young exciting black players like it's I, I think this is unconscious bias obviously but it's Listen, correlation is not always causation, but um, this this thing is not going anywhere, and it's a it's a disgrace to our society, basically. Mm. Anyway, that's it for questions. We've got games coming up. Uh, what do you know about Reading? Twenty third in the championship. That is not a good position in the championship. I'm going to assume 
even though I have not looked this up, that this means that Yapstam is no longer their manager. Yeah, I think he was fired some time ago, actually. Yeah, right. There you go. Well, they shouldn't have fired him, should they? Because now they're 23rd in the championship, and that is not a good position. Jose Manuel Gomez uh, as uh, is currently the manager. This is his 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18th job in 23 years as the manager. Huh. There you go. The the one thing that we can hope for is that Bakuna once again fouls one matter in the penalty area and gives us a penalty so that we can say Bakuna on matter. Bakuna on matter. Um, which did happen once when Bakuna played for Villa. Any players you know at Reading? Yeah, I mean, Leandro Bakuna. Um... Paul McShane, former United player, is uh... (laughs) your boy T Blacks, Tyler Blackett. Um, I've been we're talking a lot about the that in with some friends. I've been talking a lot about that five three Leicester game today, the game where Rooney absolutely balled out Tyler Blackett, who's literally never recovered from that. But he is uh, he's starting a lot of games. He's he's made sixteen starts for Reading this season. Good for him. Uh, Very composed on the ball. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, he was a long time ago. He was a long time ago. We've moved on. Uh, there's there's a lot of players. There's a lot of players I recognise in this team. Chris Gunter, uh, Welsh international. I think possibly record cap holding Welsh international. Um, and uh, Irish international David Mailer. Um, Vito so yeah. Manone, long time Arsenal bench warmer. Oh uh, yeah, there's a name that you don't hear anymore. Um, Sonny Aluko as well up front. Um, who is, of course, the more famous Aluko's brother. Um, and, yeah, I think we're going to absolutely smash these. And the real question is, does Mason Greenwood start? Well, I, I mean, he scored 20-something goals, hasn't he, in, <laughs> in, in uh, a few fixtures this season. So um, uh, a few compilation videos done about uh, Mason. A lot of excitement about him, and, and for good reason. You know, he's a... Kind of multi-talented forward, uh, he can play wide or through the middle. Been playing more through the middle uh, recently. He's played across all of United's age group teams uh, in the last couple of seasons, and you know, and people are excited about him because we we don't produce a lot of forwards, do we? As a club that has a a pretty successful youth uh, um, production line. What do you mean, apart from apart from apart Marcus, from Rashford, Rashford. Marcus Rashford, Rashford and Jesse Lingard? Well, he's and... not forward, is he? Jesse Lingard mm. yeah, doesn't okay. count. Doesn't count. But not a lot of successes from forwards over the years. Uh, and no. and this is an exciting one. And and why not? Why shouldn't he get a a game in uh, in a match that United should win easily? Although although a cup run would be nice. So you know, don't f- it up too much. No, and it'll be it will be kind of. I mean, of course, there's a week between the Reading game and the Spurs game, so no issue around players' rotation in terms of what's to come. No, rotation Possibly. for the game against Reading because it's it's Saturday morning, isn't it, or Saturday lunchtime? Yeah. Uh, so um, you know, not a lot of time to prepare for that one, and it's been a, a fairly busy period. Yeah. So what we're going to see in that game, I think, I think we'll see Sergio Romero mm-hmm. play. And I think that's perfectly fine. Um, I wonder whether we'll see Smalling back. I think was he on the bench today? Um, no, I'm not sure. I don't think he was. Darmian was. No, 
Oh, okay. Um, oh, yeah. The reason I was thinking about this morning on the bench is because this morning was on the bench in the, the lineup I looked up earlier of when we played Norwich. <laughs> um, that was in 2014, so not directly relevant to this conversation. Uh, I wonder whether Lukaku and Sanchez will both start. They, that they game, probably Mark. should do. Yeah, they both need games. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and and the, yeah, and the extra ninety minutes under under their belt before Spurs. Yeah, whether they they're going to start that game or not um, will help. Uh, I'd hope I'd hope that Fred got ninety minutes as well. He, sh- he should do. Uh, at the back will be interesting, won't it? Because there aren't an awful lot of options. So, um, uh, I mean, uh, Bailly won't be. Sus- well, no, he will be suspended yeah. for this one. Yeah, second second suspension. Also missed the Spurs game, um, so he can't play. Smalling if he's fit. Lindelof and Jones are the only fit centre backs. I think I think he'll play Lindelof and Jones. That's my guess for that. Yeah, uh, and uh, Dallow depends on whether he's fit, and and if not, Darmian will probably get a game. Yeah, um, maybe give Luke Shaw a rest and play Ashley Young at left back. Maybe I don't think that'd be the end of the world because Shaw's played a lot of football. At some point, we have to have a conversation about Luke Shaw and um, what he's actually good at because. Uh, he gets the sort of as a sort of wide scale assumption that Luke Shaw is good, but I'm interested to know what he's good at because I'm not clear about that. Uh, but anyway, that's perhaps a conversation for another day because we've already been going for almost an hour and we've still got the big game to talk about. So let's assume we smash Reading into tiny little pieces. Mm-hmm. Uh, will be full of confidence heading to Wembley. Uh, Ollie's gone to Wembley. I'm assuming that's not going to make his knees trendly, trembly. A happy hunting ground for him, of course, as a player, as perhaps will get mentioned a thousand times. Um, but this is a, a whole different kettle of fish. We, we play against an actual team for the first time in the Solskjaer era. We will do. I mean, um, a, a team that, apart from that Wolves game, has been in a really rich vein of form. You know, mm-hmm. three at Cardiff, five against Bournemouth, six against Everton, uh, up to second in the league, uh, pending that City Liverpool game. Um, it's uh, yeah. He he. And this has all been done. Pochettino, as we've definitely mentioned several times before, having spent nothing in the summer. Um, yeah. And having something like a forty million pound net spend in the last couple of years, compared to sort of five hundred for for City and and an awful lot for Liverpool as well. So, you know, this is uh, despite all the talk about Pochettino's lack of trophies, this is the story of the Premier League. This is um, uh, the biggest success, I think, uh, in terms of um, sort of points for pounds spent uh, that we've got to talk about. And that's why he's top of United's list. I mean, not an easy great coach, but he can work with a limited budget as well. Have you looked up um, how many goals Harry Kane's got this season yet while you've been looking at this prep? I, I haven't, but uh, I'm going I'm to guess it's quite a, guess? a lot. Uh, I'm going to guess um, somewhere near 20. Oh, okay. Well, right. Okay. I mean, he's got 14, which is amazing and way more than I thought he had and the most in the Premier League. 14 in the league. Sure. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was. That's what I was talking about. Sorry, I was just just talking about the league. Well, that's right because the Premier League is the only thing that counts. And football was I don't know. You were talking about Matt Busby earlier, but it didn't make you think of puke as football started in 1992. Yeah, so he's he has got four in the Champions League as well. But yeah, 14 league goals in in 20 starts. That's that's another ridiculous season from. Absolute ridiculous goal machine that is Harry Kane and Son Heung Ming, of course, been in absolutely blinding form and and a lovely, lovely player to watch. Is he going to be gone yet? Is he? He's got to go again, hasn't he? Um, so hopefully he'll be gone. I don't know. I don't think. I don't know when when he's going to be available or not. Yeah, no, neither do I. Do I. But I mean, they've got they've got a lot of players who will score goals. Kane, Son, uh, Lucas Moura, Deli Ali, Christian Eriksen. I think even Eric Lamella has got goals this season, so um, it's uh, it's all over the pitch uh, and and all in pretty good form as well. And they just they just score a lot of goals as well, don't they? Forty six in the league this season already. Eriksson's on seven assists, which is Pogba esque numbers, you know. Um, We've and, got forty three and... in the league. <laughs> yes, we're back, baby. Uh, there was that stat doing the rounds that um, this was, uh, I think, when we were 3-1 up against Bournemouth that um, Solskjaer's management was responsible for 27% of United's goals in the league already. Um, it's got to be better than that by now, hasn't it? Um, but, you know, we're going we're gonna to frighten them too. They're not going to be super excited about United coming to town. I mean, they might be excited about the challenge of it and the fact that it's a big game and all that sort of stuff, but they're not going to be thinking that this is going to be a pushover in, in the way that it was when they played us earlier in the season. No, I, I would hope not. And, you know, it was pretty embarrassing that, that uh, we played all right that We played all right that day. It was, it was really weird. It's definitely not one of our worst performances of the season, even no, though it was but a it was terrible really result. Meek. It was really meek. I mean, at no point in that game did it look like United were actually going to get back into it. It was meek. Kind of one of those ones where you go, oh, it's done. He's done. Uh, and, and look, it can't get worse than that. And I'm, I'm going to imagine it's going to get an awful lot better and Spurs are open and United will be open and maybe we'll get a, a really cracking game in which we get a few goals. It could be like an, an old school Spurs Man United match. You know, like when that's like Spurs Arsenal is, as has been widely discussed, probably the current best Premier League fixture for entertainment. Um, like, you know, bankable entertainment prospects. But in the olden days, Spurs Man United was always an absolute cracker. Loads and loads of my favourite games ever involve watching Spurs and Man United play each other. Maybe we'll get one of those end to end, like 4-3 to us or something. Yeah, I'd take that. I'd rather have like four nil, Com- comfy, feels... comfy victory. It's going to be fascinating. So the 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 key battles. What are the key battles in this? Um, or can they get the supply up to Harry Kane? I mean, the answer is probably yes. Isn't yes, it? they will. Yeah. Uh, you know, because we're going to play. I suppose we'll play Matic, Pogba, Herrera in the midfield. They'll they'll probably play the four two three one they've played for like most of the season. I mean. Yeah. They they have got options, but you would think it's going to be 4-2-3-1 again, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not playing they're not going to play three at the back against United. It's 3v3 all the time, so 
Um, I, I and especially with this United team pushing fullbacks up, I, I would imagine they would see that as being uh, too vulnerable. So I'm pretty sure it'll be a, a back four. Uh, yeah, Alderweireld's fit at the moment, so he'll probably play against uh, alongside Sanchez, I would think, and and it'll be three through the middle. So, um, uh, I yeah, I would imagine sort of you know two holding and uh, Ericsson and Ali pushing forwards and and Son in support of Kane. One of the things I'd like to see is Pogba and Herrera getting right in Eric Dyer and Harry Winks's faces if they play those two as the holding midfielders like uh, or Sissoko and um Sissoko and uh, Dyer maybe or whoever it is I'd, I'd like to see really real serious aggression from yeah. United central midfielders and, and limit their ability to get the ball up to Ericsson in particular. Yeah, I mean, so pressure on Dyer would be very effective. I, I think the, the obvious problem for United is that a hell of a lot of runners from midfield from Spurs are, are going to overwhelm uh, Matic. And so Herrera will need to be in there. You know, I'd, I'd like to see more legs in there, honestly. And I think there's a, a really good, a really good case for playing Fred. Uh, just just because he's going to get around the pitch, and yes, that means there isn't a holding midfielder there. But like, how much of a how much of a screen does Matic offer? Not a lot. Wait, Ed, don't you think that Matic offers a good defensive screen? No, I don't. I, I may okay. have said this before, but yeah, yeah. maybe I should say it again. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it's going to come up again, probably when we talk about this. Because I have to say, feel good factor or not. I'm not super excited about this fixture. I mean, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to watching the game, but I'm not like, yeah, we're going to batter them. I think this is going to be a real test. And I think, I think it's, it, it's not going to be so easy to create chances against them as it's been against the teams that we've played so far. And I think they're much more likely to take advantage of holes that we leave than any team that we've played. Obviously, I mean, those are pretty self-evident things, but it's it's a huge, huge test. And it's going to be, Fascinating. I mean, imagine if Solskjaer pulls off a sort of unexpected tactical masterstroke in this game, or we get like really outstanding performance from Pogba, say. Because I think I think if Pogba plays, Pogba's going to need to play really, really well for us to win this game. I think. Mm-hmm. And then we beat Spurs away. I mean, then it's then we start to look at a really exciting rest of the season, aren't we? Oh yeah, God, what a, what a massive. I mean. Uh, it's obviously a massive transition and change now with Oli coming in and all the positivity that he's managed to generate alongside the, the four wins. Um, and let's assume we beat Reading and it's five in a row. Uh, what a pivotal point this could be in the season to you know, if, if United went to Wembley and won. Um, and within just a few points of Chelsea and Arsenal, qualification for the Champions League looking extremely realistic and, and all the confidence it would bring. Sure, uh, and but this time round, it's not a massive disaster if United do lose. You know, no, absolutely, I I completely agree, and that's that's one of the things. There's there's going to have to be some measuredness after this game. Home to Brighton, home to Burnley, away to Leicester, away to Fulham, um, and then it's PSG. So, right, obviously, Leicester away is not a gimme by any stretch of the imagination, but the rest of those are all you know, proper must-win fixtures, but also they're probably going to win fixtures. So, yeah, I mean, it's not the end of the world by any means if we lose this game, but it would be massive to win it. All right. Predictions? Well, I think we're going to probably beat Reading 5-0. Um, 
probably. Well, I don't see any reason why we wouldn't. <laughs> um, and then the Spurs game, I'm going to go with a three-all draw like that game in the 80s. Remember the classic three-all draw? Wow. Well, there's some bold predictions there. Uh, long odds, of, well, I'd say. Uh, Rankast Tom, producer Tom, uh, has bet on United. What's he bet on? United winning every single game under Ollie or something like that? <laughs> no, it's it's United to go unbeaten for the rest of the season, uh, uh, 50 to 1. Nice. Sound bad. Sound bad, I'd say. Also, Solskjaer to win any trophy at 6 to 1. Nice. Why not? Uh, I'm going to say well, a uh, 3-0 win against Reading and uh, 1-0 against Spurs. I mean, the answer to why not is because bookmakers set their prices in order to be profitable rather than to benefit the consumer. Oh, the no, no. You're saying they're <laughs> capitalists, Paul. <laughs> yeah, I am. Um, anyway, uh, so yeah, that'll do, won't it? All right. Uh, um, this is this is you know odd. It's kind of happy and jolly. We need we need a few defeats in order to get back into our swing of things. No, I'm not. I'm so happy to be talking about nice football played by nice people and the brilliant, lovely, delightful manager and Mick McFeelan walking around and Michael Carrick looking all happy. Kieran I, McKenna. I, I did think it was funny today. There's a shot of uh, Solskjaer, McKenna, and and uh, Carrick all deep in discussion about something and Mick Phelan sort of lying back there with his tight shorts, staring in space, thinking yeah, about he, putting the cones out on Monday morning. Listen, Mick Phelan's expertise is on the trading ground and he was Oli Solskjaer's first call. So, you know, so Alex Ferguson's assistant manager for years and years and years and years. I don't think he's, I think the idea that Phelan is some sort of joke is, uh, you know, unfair. Unfair it is. Uh, all right. Well, right. we we will see you guys uh, in the new year. It's already the new it's year. Already it's already the new year. the 2nd of January as we record this, Ed. We will see you guys after the Spurs game. <laughs> yeah, uh, we can't record after the Reading game because Ed is travelling. So um, it's going to be after the Spurs game, covering both those games, that we'll be back with another podcast, hopefully early in the week after that. Um, and until then, thanks for listening over the Christmas period. Um, and Patreon backers, stay tuned for more. Everyone else, we'll see you next week. See you. Bye now. As ever, the Rankcast is brought to you by the good people who choose to back us at patreon.com slash rankcast. If you want to get involved, please do head over there. Um, every week we record some bonus content, which is available to anyone that chooses to back us at a level of $5 plus VAT and above per month as a way of saying thank you. Everyone got that bonus content last week, back to normal service this week, um, and we decided that we would go for that lowest of low-hanging fruit of content creation, a combined Manchester United and Spurs 11. And the, the thing is, I think what we're saying is this is like literally the team we would pick if the game was this weekend, isn't it? You know, it's like form right now counts a lot. And so on that basis, I'm not going to fight you too hard on Lindelof, but I, I bet if you were a Spurs fan, you would you would be like, it's obviously Sanchez. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Perfectly happy about that, owning that bias. Yeah, yeah. And and we're not, I mean, like, if it had been 18 months ago, we might have been arguing very hard for, for Eric Bailly, yeah. but it's, it's impossible to do that right now. No no, uh, no word here for Smalling or Jones? <laughs> I mean, there are words for Smalling and Jones, but I choose not to say them. 
Um, Marcos Rocco, you need a mad dog in there. We're fine. In case the Spurs players get a bit Spursy. Toby. So we've got Trippier, Lindelof, Alderweireld, Shaw. Mm. Yeah, seems yeah. unfair that we've got three United players. I, in I think uh, I think we should go up. with Sanchez and Alderweireld. I really do. Mm. I think that's. I think proper. That's a better right. partnership, and we've got De Gea in goal as well. Although midfield, right? So obviously Pogba's first name on the team sheet, right? Mm-hmm. Ahead of Harry Kane, his first name on the team sheet. Mm-hmm. Pogba. But is he playing in an attack?